0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Scholarly Communication, the podcast about how knowledge gets known. I'm Avi Stamen, co-host of the Scholarly Communication podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I dedicate my time to my family, riding my bike in the mountains, and running my company, Academic Language Experts. Academic Language Experts, or ALE for short, is an author services company dedicating to helping scholars elevate their manuscripts prior to publication, as well as reviewing grant proposals to receive competitive research funding. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dan Ben. (laughs) Ben is the Director of Publishing for Academic Books at Cambridge University Press. Previously, Ben served as the Editorial Director for Humanities and Media Books at Taylor & Francis and Publishing Director at Reed Elsevier. He has also worked at Oxford University Press. Ben initially came into publishing with Osborne after publishing his children's books, including uh, the all-time bestseller, okay, maybe not yet, uh, Amazing Magic Tricks, um, ben, it's really lovely to have you here today. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to join me.
1: Thanks, Avi. It's really nice to be here. And, and uh, th- thanks for plugging my, my kids' books. I'll wait for their sales to come flooding in.
0: <laughs> yes, be sure to, to, to share some of that, uh, you know, uh, six figures, uh, you know, share, spread that along. <laughs> um, so this is actually a great segue um, because I wanted to ask you kind of how you got into academic publishing in the first place, and what really made you fall in love with it? Was it kind of was there is there a particular experience or or episode that you remember that that or was it sort of slow and gradual over time?
1: Yeah, sure. That that, that that's a good question. So so as you teed me up, I I my my, my first job in publishing was for. Osborne, and I was a, um, I was a f- full-time writer for them of, of, of kids' books. And I came into that job via bookselling. I did a few years bookselling initially, which is a great grounding for anybody getting into publishing because it's the kind of coalface, right? You know, you see what people buy and what they don't. Um, and my first um, my first job in academic publishing was working for Oxford University Press. Um, and it was quite an, an unusual job in a way. I worked for the reference... Um, uh, division there on the Oxford paperback reference books. And that's a range of, of titles that stem from really kind of uh, uh, trady. Uh, they, they're, they're, they're dictionaries, but they, they stem from really kind of tradey subjects um, uh, um, to, uh, to, to all of the kind of academic subjects that, that, that you'd expect to see. And I guess coming to your question, what I kind of found there was, firstly, I was working with loads of really, really interesting and really engaged people you know, um, publishings of real people business and, and and you're surrounded by people that, 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 that love interaction and they like ideas. And that's really nice. Um, but what I loved about that job and what I guess has defined my career a bit was that I was working across so many different areas. You know, so there are opportunities in publishing to specialize. But if you want to be more of a generalist, you've got those opportunities too. And I have a short attention span. I'm interested in loads of different things and good at almost none of them. So uh, it, it suits me really well you know i like that and 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 actually you know as i said that that's kind of i've i've that's gone through my career i've been able to to jump around and work on different types of books and different subjects and i'm not sure there's another there's another industry that i'm sure there are but you know it, it it's a great benefit and flexibility of the industry that that, that that you can you can also specialize but that suited me very well
0: Right. It it always strikes me as interesting, and I'm already going off script, so you'll forgive me. But um, the sort of, you know, uh, there are many tracks to get into academic publishing, but you know, just to generalize, there are academics who then need to learn the publishing, and then there are publishers who need to learn academia. And I always find it, I've always found, you know, thought that it might be interesting to explore the different approaches and how each one kind of. Um, you know, pushes and pulls uh, in order to get to the ideal, um, you know, outcome. Um, but it definitely seems like, you know, uh, you're being rooted in the publishing world helps you and not only in the academic setting, maybe helps gives you insights that if you were kind of always did a PhD and then went straight to publishing, you may not have gotten otherwise.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I, we, we talk about that a lot, that kind of idea that you can, you, you can be a... Um, you can be a, uh, sorry, that's the dog going off there. Um, he has strong views about many things to do with publishing. So, you know, you might, uh, But yeah, you can be, you know, you, you, publishing has room for, for, there's always that question around to what degree are you a subject specialist? To what degree are you a publishing specialist? So the answer, of course, is that there's room for both. But I think, um, um, and I've worked, I mean, certainly in my job now, I work with a bunch of people who have incredibly deep-rooted subject specialism. I mean, some of the, the the most I've seen in, in in the job that I have now. I've been working the same subject for a long time, and came in as you said from academia. Um, I think that um, that that's a great um, that's a great benefit in itself. Um, but you always have to be looking at things through the publishing lens, and and the the, the publisher has to bring some try and bring some degree of objectivity um, to to you know w- what they're deciding to publish and 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 where they're going. So. So, yeah, there's the kind of, yeah, there's, 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 there's both of those things and there's tensions between them, but those tensions can be healthy.
0: Got it. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm sure our listeners are curious, kind of, you know, director of publishing um, for academic books at Cambridge. Um, in general terms, I think we we, we understand what that means, um, you know, being in charge of making sure that the the best books are produced in a, in, a, in a timely and efficient manner. But maybe you could take us a little bit deeper, a little bit more into the woods about like you know you, what your job entails, including maybe something that may surprise us as listeners to be like, "Oh, I wouldn't have thought that a uh, you know uh, a director of publishing takes out the rubbish." I don't know something that uh, that 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 maybe most folks aren't familiar with um, with your job. Sure, yeah, yeah.
1: So 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 my role um, uh, Cambridge is, is is you know is a is a is a is a big university press publisher. Um, you know there are huge um, uh, commercial publishers out there, but, but in the university press world, we're, we're, we're quite big. So we, we publish about, you know, 1500 new books a year, and then we have the elements and the, the, the other types of, of, of book content that we do as well. Um, you know, we've got a few hundred of those too. So it's quite a big portfolio and um, it's spread across a lot of different subjects. Um, so in terms of my role on a day-to-day basis, um, uh, I'm working with the um, uh, with teams across the world. So uh, in in the you know our, our biggest teams are in, the, in in the UK and the US, but then we also have teams in India and Australia. Um, to uh, yeah, to, to kind of uh, um, work with the teams on that portfolio of, of books that they're bringing through, and. Um, You know, within the teams, there are uh, great commissioning editors who know loads more about their subjects than I do. And there are, you know, very effective gatekeepers and people who are deciding what we publish and what we don't. So I guess for me, a lot of my role at the moment is around sort of looking at the balance of that portfolio and making sure that we are, broadly publishing into the right areas and that the kind of initiatives and the responses, I know we're going to get onto open access at some point in this conversation, it's hard not to, but, you know, that those kind of big themes that are going on in the world of publishing, uh, you know, that we're kind of building the right responses to to those sort of things. And of course, you know, that we're publishing the best books and that we're having the right impact with those books as well. Um, so, I guess in terms of something that might surprise people, um, you know, there's a sort of, um, I guess, when you one, one of one of the real challenges that we have within publishing is balancing the sort of um, commercial aspects of the job and the need to make sure that the, you know, that the publishing that we're doing is is uh, is, is valuable and is sustainable with publishing. The best kind of content, and when you work in the university press sector, um, there's a kind of, um, you know, there's a there's a there's a whole um, bunch of different variables that you're looking at. You know, so when so so when we're publishing, we're always looking at you know whether what we're publishing fits the mission of the university, whether the quality of it is up to the standard that we'd expect from you know from being a, a world leading university press at a, at a big and reputable university. Um, and then balancing some of those commercial aspects as well. So I guess you know that kind of. I don't think when I came into publishing that I would have thought that you know the ability to to to, to navigate quite a broad profit and loss account or have those kind of commercial aspects would be such a so central to a, to an editorial role. But it is really important. Um,
0: interesting, interesting, and and to what you know you mentioned at the beginning of, 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 of your answer about, you know, making sure that the editors are, you know, bringing in relevant topics um, and, and that the books are on point. So how do you make, given what you just said about this tension between, you know, what's important to scholarship, what's going to sell, what are people going to read and buy um, what's going to make impact? How do you kind of, I'm sure it's, you know, it's, it's not simple, but how do you juggle all of those criteria in order to actually make that decision? Okay, this is going to be a focus of ours, this style of writing, this genre, this area, uh, this geographic focus. Those seem to be like complicated questions that probably require a lot of teasing out.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's a really good point. And I, I guess, I mean, the short answer to that is that, you know, I, I have a brilliant team of editors and I trust them, you know, and I think... Um, uh, you know, we have um, uh, we're publishing across uh, uh, the whole of STM and HSS, and I work with uh, with 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 di- directors in those areas as well, who are kind of looking at the shape of the portfolio. Um, and yeah, I guess the short answer to your question is that 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 you have to trust your team. And you know, there are always things in publishing, as as in any industry, which in in hindsight you might have done differently, or you might do. You know better. You might do more of something. You might do less of something. And we're constantly looking at what we're publishing and iterating in that way. Um, but um, but we're also responding to the to the academic community and what's going on what's going on there as well. And I guess that's a kind of interesting part of being a being a university press is that um, we have a very close relationship with the university, and we have a we have, for example, a, a body of, of of academics. We 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 call them our, our syndicate who. Oversee our publishing. So we're constantly getting information from them about what's happening in the academy too. And that
0: feeds into the decision. I guess that's what really is kind of at the heart of my question is to what extent do you see your job as reflecting what the trends in academia or even more generally um, in your books or actually ascribing an agenda based on certain, you know, values that, that, that you have at Cambridge um, that may actually influence um, you know, what people are reading and what's, and, 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 and how academia is being shaped. So,
1: yeah, that's a, a, that's, that's a million dollar question. And I think, um, you know, inevitably one of the real, um, one of the real attractions for a commissioning editor working in publishing is that, you know, you can have a lot of autonomy to shape a, a publishing list, um, I think editors are always I mean this is a question we could spend hours on, but you know I think editors are always kind of um you know i I, I believe that 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 we are in academic publishing part of the service that we're providing is that we're helping to facilitate that scholarly debate by you know surfacing the best kind of um the best information, and that means that you're not always necessarily you shouldn't you shouldn't just be publishing stuff that reflects your own views or publishing your favorite stuff. But as an editor, you do have a real duty to make sure that the stuff that you're, that the books that you're publishing are balanced and they're well-researched and they're scholarly, um, you know, and that, and that they, you know, that, that you're kind of, yeah, that you're, you're, you're contributing to that ongoing academic debate in the best possible way that you can.
0: Got it. All right. I've asked you a few, um, you know, uh, uh, more philosophical question. so uh, we'll, we'll try to bring it back down to the real world here. And I'm curious if you can share with us um, kind of what would make, uh, how would you say the, the cleanest way to define the distinction between university presses and trade presses? Is it just simply that a university press is affiliated or associated with a particular university, or does it go beyond that? Are there certain characteristics that are shared among different university presses as opposed to um, trade presses?
1: That's a fair question. And I'm assuming when you were talking about trade presses here, you mean commercial, uh, correct. academic academic, academic publishing. Yes, that's correct. Um, yeah. So I think, um, and this is speaking from as somebody who's had a, had, had a foot in, in, in both camps. I mean, broadly, broadly, you know, um, uh, university presses and those, and those, the, what you were calling the trade presses, those commercial publishers, you know, they're publishing for the same reasons, the same philosophical questions that we were talking about just now. Um, And there are loads of really, really smart people working in those publishers who are just as committed to that, you know, to to, to that mission, I think, having worked in both areas, my experience is that people on both sides of that can be overly dismissive of the other camp, you know, Um, but broadly speaking, are trying to do the same things. Um, I guess, one fundamental difference um, which can be both good and bad is that um, when you're working for a big commercial publisher and especially a kind of publicly listed company, you know, everything that you do, that kind of focus on the commercials and, 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 and everything that you do being viable from that perspective is pretty sharpened. And I think um, that's good and bad, you know, from a university press side of things, you know, we can do things or consider things. We Always considering our mission in, in 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 the publishing that we're doing, and you know some of the initiatives that that, that we do, I, I think would be much harder to to get signed off at a at a at a, at a commercial press. At the same time, um, I would say that that, and and I think UPs, you know, a lot of them are, are thinking a lot more in this way now, as well. That the those kind of commercial questions are really, you know. No one's really invented a better acid test of of what's bringing, you know, the most value to the debate than would you be willing to pay for this, you know, and would you be willing to pay what it's worth? And I think that, um, uh, so, you know, that 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 question is really important. Um, and I think that sometimes that that can be a little bit sharper in the commercial presses. The other thing that I would say, I'm sorry, I'm rambling off on my on my answer as I think of different things. But the other thing that I would uh, I would I would really say is that the um, uh, something that's very interesting working in university presses is how close you are to the university, and it feels like a very certainly my experience coming in here in the last few years is that it feels like a very kind of it feels like a more collegiate relationship with the academy, you know. Um, if it, it, it feels closer generally, and I think that's partly to do with the fact that you're part of a university yourself, so you're kind of you've got those very natural uh, lines into the into the university and the university university community. But I think I mean, that that's fundamentally quite different.
0: I guess in theory, you know, the argument can be put forth that aside from sales or or readership, you know, um, internal. You know, citations could be a metric with all the problematics that come along with you know citations, but how much it's influencing the scholarly debate. Um, but I, you know, at least I'm speaking from personal um, opinion here. I think that we all that 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 you know understand, especially post pandemic, that you know limiting our our evaluation of impact to uh, you know internal standards, internal academic standards alone, or internal citations is problematic in many ways. So, you know, I, I wouldn't suggest that as an alternative, but it, it, it is interesting to me sort of how much, I know that in journal publishing, that's a big deal, right? Um, mm-hmm. that, that impacts the impact factor and and, and has a big influence. So I guess, turning it into a question, I guess I'm curious whether that even makes any difference um, in the book publishing world.
1: Yeah, it makes a huge difference, definitely, okay. definitely. And one of the things that, you know, um, we've we've really kind of made a strategic decision at Cambridge in the last few years on the books and the journal side is to invest in our digital platforms and 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 that side of things and and um and and i think you know the more you get into that world yeah the, 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 those those the, those measures are are incredibly important um uh, and increasingly so um so but, um if, sorry go on
0: no i'm sorry i didn't mean to uh, please finish your thought
1: well, that was no that 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 was really it. I think I, I guess you were coming off that point around the sort of, um, you know, the 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 finance question and whether there are other ways to measure measure things. And I think I didn't mean to give the impression that I thought that was the only one. Undoubtedly, it's not, but it's a kind of crunch point for people, you know, right? Um, yeah. To ask yeah, that yeah, question, yeah, yeah. yeah. Will you yeah. will you be willing to pay for this?
0: Now. Um... And I think this is a good segue into the next part of our discussion, which is about open access. Um, And I know that, you know, there, there have been just for, for, for those who may not be familiar over the last number of years, um, open access has been mandated by funders. It has been uh, pushed, especially in Europe, um, uh, in order to really open up research to anyone everywhere um, at any point, but also comes with its own ramifications um, specifically for the publishing industry. And, I'm curious how, and I think a lot has been written and a lot has been said about open access mandates um, in in the context of journal publications and um, maybe less so in the book context. So I'm curious, how do the open access mandates impact uh, book publishing and um, you know what uh, what has the response been from the publisher side?
1: Yeah, so that's a, that that that's a really good question I think um, so i would say that you know all of the all of the arguments for open access in journals so arguments about you know equity um about funded research being made uh made accessible about you know increasing those all-important metrics we touched on just now around citations and usage and all of that stuff you know all of those same arguments apply equally in the in the books world especially In the areas you know in for example in the humanities where you know a lot of um a lot of the research is is is, you know the, the the book is a kind of primary vehicle that kind of long form publishing is a really primary vehicle for for research i think all of the same things apply um and i think that uh equally all of the same challenges apply you know which is um uh, you know, how do you, um, how do you make that a, a, a sustainable route for, for publishers? I think that the same sort of, um, mm. uh, it's been a, a a real sharpener for publishers in, 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 in us being better about explaining the value that we bring to the process and the value of curation and all of those kind of things. And the fact that that has to be, you know, you, that comes at a price, you know, we, we, we have to, we, we have to work out how we, how we do that. But I think that the um, I think fundamentally, it's the same. And I think coming back to your question around the sort of reaction, I think the reactions to it have been pretty mixed, you know, I think that um, uh, and that probably mirror, you know, what's going on on the journal side of things as well. I think that, um, uh, you know, you have um, publishers who feel very defensive. um, uh, who feel that their response to open access is a very defensive one. Um, uh, or that they're kind of being nudged towards this by increasing government mandates and all of those kind of things. And then on the other end of things, and I would put CUP and and, and myself by extension, certainly in this camp, you have publishers who recognise that there are challenges around uh, making open access viable and making it scalable, but also recognise that the pure spirit that's intended there is a really is a really good one you know and that and that and that we should be embracing that for 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 all those good reasons around equity and, and 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 access and 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 usage and and really getting research into as many hands as possible um you know but it is a mixed economy
0: and 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 so maybe you could get a little bit more into detail you know i know that there are yeah, I think I think when most people, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think when most people refer to open access or think about it, they're thinking about the gold model. Um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about what that means and other alternative open access models that may give us more flexibility in, in, in the ability to be dynamic in how we approach this this issue.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um so just on 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 gold, broadly speaking, you know, gold open access model is uh, uh, works similar to how it does in journals. You know, you have a um a book processing charge or a BPC that varies publisher to publisher and may vary within the publisher depending on the kind of book. And that's a fee that's payable up front, you know, possibly by the author, but more often by a by a funder. Um, and that fee is paid and it covers, it should cover the the cost of producing the book, possibly some some lost sales revenue, etc. Um, and that means that then the, um, version of records. So the, the, the final book that's published, um, is published open access. Um, and, uh, I think most publishers, certainly all the publishers I've, I've ever worked for will continue to sell that book in print. Um, uh, but there will be a, a, a free to read, um, you know, digital version of the book available and, um. Really, I think at the moment, the main alternative, so you have some kind of uh, projects to centrally fund large groups of books, but I guess that would still be a kind of gold open access model. Um, And there are um, some funders making money available to flip already published books, so to make books that have already been published open access. Um, But really, um, beyond that, the two kind of main routes are the green open access route, know which is putting some prior version of the book uh into a repository or a or or a a central place which is not necessarily the version of record um and having that available open so you have the kind of open access version which might be the 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 manuscript before copy editing or review or any of those kind of things and then you have a a final version of the book which is available that you would that you would charge for Um, and then the other kind of middle way um is you know to have books published um uh open access and to fund those through some kind of other sales model you know um which uh you know i think um we you know we 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 might get a chance to talk about flip it open which is the cambridge initiative around that around that side of things but but really looking at other um uh other models to to fund the flipping of the book that aren't dependent on that initial book processing charge.
0: So I do want to discuss that, but let's in order to kind of set the table um can you just tell us what the problem with the current um OA you know with the traditional OA model is and then maybe how flip it open comes to address that.
1: Sure, I can do. Yeah, yeah. So um uh, that sounds like I set that
0: up. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> entirely. I think I think for folks who are not kind of intimately familiar with the open access um, model, this a lot of this might be new for them. Um, and to to you know properly understand kind of what the uh, bottleneck that currently exists um, in the current OA model um, will highlight. You know, kind of what the more creative, innovative. Uh, initiatives that are being put forth, how they how they address that.
1: Sure, yeah, 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 definitely. So, 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 so you know, in a nutshell, the problem with the with the gold model is that uh, it relies on uh, on somebody funding your book, and that in itself, I've talked a lot about, you know, equitable models. You know, that in itself is not necessarily equitable, right? You know, there will be, you know, there are there are different routes for funding. So, you know, some institutions might have 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 central funding you know there are um trusts and and other funders out there that will fund certain types of publishing um you know uh academics um i'm speaking very generally here because it's a really messy kind of economy um but broadly speaking you know if you have if you have information or access to those funds you're in a country or institution that is kind of you know, um, uh, better set up to point you towards those kind of funds. You're in a position to apply for them for whatever reason, you know, you might get your book, um, uh, away, or you can just afford to pay those fees yourself. Right. So it's not a model, which, um, uh, it's not an equitable model, you know, and at the moment, it's, you know, it's equitable, um, it's
0: equitable for the, for the readers, but not for the,
1: not for the authors. Exactly. That's a very good yeah. way of putting it. Yeah. You know, And, you know, at the moment, you know, um, those funding routes are very scattered, you know, they're not necessarily that well understood or that well communicated. Um, So, so yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a bit of a mixed bag. And, and, you know, that's a problem. Um, uh, Because, you know, you don't want that to kind of you don't. You, the whole idea of this is that you have a kind of broader range of access to a broader range of content. You don't then want to just end up favouring certain types of publishing or certain demographics or groups or you know whatever, however that may manifest itself. Um, and I think um, the other kind of so 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 the the, the challenge for for publishers and especially. Um, uh, in response to some of the um, mandates that have come out to try and push the uh, open access agenda forwards, so you know Plan S would be an example. Uh, the work that's going on the UKRI at the moment, and, and and probably with the REF in the UK, um, you know, um, you know, publishers are kind of looking at those things and 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 wondering how you can create you know, scalable models to, 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 um, uh, to publish open access sustainably and, and, and to publish books open access that don't necessarily have a book processing charge already lined up for them.
0: Got it. So now tell me how, tell me a little bit more about flip it, flip it open and how that works and, and, um, and how it addresses those issues. Sure, yeah so so we so, so flip It open is a, is, is, is a uh,
1: CUP uh, um, uh, initiative that, that we we launched a, a couple of years ago now um, to really try and sort of to dig into this and the way the way that the initiative works is that uh, we have we have quite a large program of monographs you know anyway we publish about 600 uh, research monographs a year across lots of different subjects and the way that uh, flip it open works, We started this off with a pilot of, I think, 28 books. And what we did was we took uh, um, some monographs across a couple of different subjects um, and we went and spoke to the to the authors of those. And those were books that we'd already um, contracted um, to work through the normal route, which would be, you know, we publish them and we sell them to um, mostly to libraries uh, who buy, you know, a print or a digital copy of that of that book. Um, and uh, after a certain period of time, we might release a paperback and that might get some individual sales, but the primary route for selling those is into, in, 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 into institutions. So we approached the authors of those books and said, well, what we'd like to do is um, we'd like to to to, to, make, to put your book into this new initiative that we have. And the way this is going to work is that we're going to sell the book to those library partners in exactly the way that we, that we would do anyway. Um, but once your book hits a certain revenue threshold from those sales, we're going to make the digital version of it available open access. Um, and uh, the really key point about this being that we will be talking to the, our library partners about this up front, So they're going to know before they buy the book that the book that they're buying, the intention is to make an open access version of it available at some point. So it kind of, you know, um, we're asking them to help facilitate OA basically, which is something that we know from speaking to our library partners that they're very keen to do. You know, they're, they're keen on open access for all the good reasons we've discussed already. Um, and so we set up that pilot with 28 books initially um, and uh, we started running it. This was the summer before last um, and it's been quite successful so far. So. We've seen sales of those initial books that, that it was very well received by the libraries and by the authors. So in that initial cohort of authors we, we approached, I think I think all of them um, uh, said they were happy for us to, to, to take that route with their books. Um, and uh, we've seen sales of those books proceed as we'd expect to. We've flipped a handful of them already. Um, I can't remember the exact number at this point, but I think we're around five or six and we're on track to, you know, the, the other ones are also on track to flip within the within the window that we thought they would. Um, so we've uh, recently taken the decision to broaden that pilot um, and we're putting another 100 books into into a, into a program. So there'll be 128 in total at this point, um, uh, going down that same flip at open route.
0: Got it. Got it. Fantastic. Um, and are these only for, you know, books that have already been published or are you, can you also go back and convert older titles that have already been published as well through this program?
1: So we, so this, this program at the moment is, 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 is just for books which haven't yet been published. And one of the, one of the big things around this is, so what you're talking about is, is this sort of retrospective open access route. Um, and some publishers are offering now, um, uh, uh kind of you know um uh way ways to flip books that have already been published and kind of sliding scales of you know the kind of a reduced fee depending on the time that the book's been out and so forth with flip it open we're not doing that because coming back to my kind of earlier point the key thing with this is that what we don't want to do is sell these books to 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 libraries who don't know they're going to flip and then flip them because you know that would be you know th- this kind of um, uh, yeah it's, it, it, it feels unfair to do that so 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 you know we you know um, like all publishers you know we're considering that kind of retrospective open access uh, we actually did do a big um, uh, uh, a big deal with a bunch of our physics titles um, earlier in the year um, uh, to to to. Flip those retrospectively. But the Flip It Open program is only unpublished books. And the idea is that you know we are being really upfront with everybody that this book is going to be free at some point. So if you buy it, you're buying it in that knowledge, um, uh, whether in digital or print. The, the other thing I forgot to mention before was that one of the other things about Flip It Open is that typically uh, uh, publishers will sell uh, hardbacks of these monographs into libraries. And then at a certain point, they'll release a paperback. And with Flip It Open, what we're saying is that at the point where we flip to the uh, open access version, we'll also release a low-cost paperback at the same time. So arguably, if the libraries, you know, um, if we hit that kind of flip threshold early in the process, um, then the paperback will come out quicker. So and we haven't yet seen what that will do, but we do know that that open access books do continue to sell in print. So our hope is that that, that will that would also
0: kind of... Contributes to the sustainability of the program. Got it. And um, and I, I want you to I want to take you in a different direction for a minute here and and ask you to look into your crystal ball um, and 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 tell me what from your perspective what you see in terms of the future of the the formats of, of of academic publishing. So what I mean by that is is that you know we kind of have been living with the journal and our you know journal article and book as kind of the two uh, classic traditional formats, which I don't think has changed much, um, you know, over the years, even with the digital, uh, you know, transformations that still seems to be the two, uh, primary modes of publication. And I'm curious whether you think that will continue being the case, or do you see the beginnings of some, you know, more, maybe more creative, dynamic, uh, engaging, uh, you know, um, uh, forms of publication that maybe, you know, w- are, are just in their infancy.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think um, uh, one thing I would say about this for, for research publishing that's that's always quite interesting is that there's always been, you know, for the last 20 years or so, um, there's been a, 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 a tension between the idea of more dynamic forms of publishing. So, you know, books that might change or be updated or those kind of things and a desire to continue to have a sort of version of record that you can cite from. Um and uh, it's interesting because um, we're talking primarily about research here, but if you look in the, in the kind of learning space, in textbooks and those kind of things, you know, um, uh, there are some pretty big shifts happening at the moment. So we, for example, you know, we, we, um, we bought last year an adaptive courseware platform, and that's a sort of a completely different, you know, way of delivering that sort of textbook textbook material on the research side of things, I think there are big changes. Um, I think um, one thing that we're seeing and many publishers are seeing is that, you know, um, is that shift from a predominantly print business and in in books, you know, um, up until not, you know, we we, we kind of, you know, we probably uh, started the millennium most publishers started the millennium as, a, as an almost completely print business and then they were a print business and did a little bit of digital and then digital was significant and we're getting to the that inflection point now as an industry where those digital sales are surpassing you know what we're seeing in 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 print and that that comes with um, uh, uh, the sort of currency of the publishing changes as you were saying so you can see much more if you you can get much easier information around who's citing your, books and, and 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 those impact and usage questions become really important but i think the other thing that's quite interesting is that um uh is that sort of um, uh, digital gives you much more freedom around uh extents and playing around with extents so you know we uh, for example launched uh, our elements program uh, a, a couple of years ago you know these are kind of Short-form, short-form publications that sit in length somewhere between a book and a journal. Um, so you can bring them to, to 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 market more quickly and they kind of fill that, you know, we were hearing from lots of academics that they had content that was, you know, they, they had stuff they wanted to publish that was uh, too long for a journal article, but too short for a book. So yeah. digital gives you that kind of space to work in as well. Um
0: so we're, current, we're currently working on an element, which we're enjoying very much. So I, I can, I can vouch personally that it's a fun, it, it, it's fun to break out of the mold of, you know, book or, you know, book or article and, and to, to experiment in other ways. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and, and what's ironic is, you know, what it taught me is people say, you know, um, cause I spoke to your colleague, Chris Harrison, about this on a, on a episode I did um, two years ago already. And um, what was amazed me afterwards was people, Asking, well, is it going to be a recognized publication? Is it going to be respected? And I said, well, this is Cambridge. Like you know, that Cambridge is you know, it's hard to get better than that. And yet, still, people are so entrenched in the traditional kind of modes of publishing that I think it's hard for them to break free and think about you know, alternative um, because they don't. When it comes down to it, they don't know where to put it on their CV, which is a really, in my opinion, silly reason not to you know, not to publish that way. But I think it's a it's a matter of education. Not just on the individual scholar level, but also on the institutional level, that this is something that we should be considering um, and shouldn't at the at the very least shouldn't count against folks when they're up for tenure or you know their promotion committee, um, and even more so should be applauded and encouraged.
1: Yeah, I think that's really true, and I think that that, that there's a really interesting um, point there around you know um, publishing, like all industries, you know, there's some inertia, right? And there's some inertia in the academy as well. So yeah. another example that I would jump on there. And you were asking about sort of changes in format and things but i think one thing that we're definitely seeing you know is that there's much more of a call for over the past few years for kind of interdisciplinary content so you know um books that you know don't you know that, that fall you know but i mean i mean if you look at the, the best example at the moment is, is 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 climate you know we do a lot of climate publishing and you know that falls right between. You've got all of the kind of um, hard science aspects of that, you know, and the earth sciences and, and 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 weather and 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 then on the other side of things, you've got policy and politics and you know uh, economics and 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 so it's it's covering lots and lots of different areas. And what we see all the time is that the. The And actually, elements lend themselves quite well to that sort of interdisciplinary publishing, because you can have a series that has, you know, authors working in different areas. But what we see all the time is that the, the you know, the, the academy at large is still not well set up to encourage that kind of interdisciplinary publishing, right? You know, if you want tenure and you're on that kind of track, uh, a lot of the opportunities that you'll find will be, you know, whether... Intentionally or not, they'll be encouraging you to stay in lane, basically, and you know. So, so we're all, we're always kind of you know. There's always things things change slowly, but they are changing. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, ben, I've got a lot more um, to pick your brain about, but I'm conscious of time, and and yours and the um, listeners alike. Um, so, um, you know, want to give you the opportunity if there's anything else you wanted to share about you know um, um, things that are coming up at Cambridge, and also maybe. Um, if, if folks do want to, you know, follow you, I don't know if you have any, I don't know if you're ever active on, on social media or in any other way where people can kind of continue following your work. Um, yeah, let us know. Cause we'd be happy to, happy to share.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not particularly active on social media, but there are various bits that I do on the Cambridge site that get picked up. So people can, 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 can look for stuff there, um, in terms of the kind of, um, uh, things that are going on at Cambridge I mean it's a pretty exciting time there right now and like I said I think you know we're doing lots of things in the learning space as well so if people haven't seen for example you know what we we, we we launched a um, higher education uh, a digital platform a couple of years ago that sits alongside our core platform um, so so uh, so yeah that, that that's a pretty interesting space but I think um, yeah I think elements um, you know you um, know Elements is one to to look at if people haven't haven't checked out already. Go on to Cambridge Core and check out what we're doing there, um, and also yeah, the open access publishing because because that's scaling up pretty fast.
0: Brilliant. Um, if anyone wants to follow me, um, much less interesting than Ben, but you know sometimes I have I, I, I shout my mind. So uh, uh, you can follow on Twitter just my name. Uh, excuse me on on LinkedIn just my name Avi Stamen. That's A V I S T A I M A N. Uh, you're also welcome to on Twitter. Uh, it's at ALE translation. Um, Ben, thank you so much for the time that you've spent chatting with me today. I know I've learned a lot and I'm sure that our audience has gained a tremendous amount from hearing your insights and the, you know, 30, 40 past years of, 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 publishing and, and also kind of how things are rapidly evolving, um, and giving us some insight into how to make that manageable and equitable at the same time. So, um, I thank you for your time. I look forward to continuing uh, this conversation and, and similar conversations in the future. And um, yeah, and look forward to, to, to having you on again. Thanks, Avi. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Brilliant. All right. Take care now. Have a great day, everybody.